Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Talking Snooker with Phil Haig and Nick Metcalf. Once again, talking about the game we all love. Yeah, we're back. It's been, uh, it seems like quite a while actually. I'm not sure how long it has been in days, not counted it, but it seems like ages. Um, the snooker has sort of been ticking along in the background, hasn't it? Not much to watch, but some very important stuff that we've been following um, a while before the season actually gets kicked off. But yeah. Plenty going on as always. There is, and it's great to see you, Phil. And yeah, we're, uh, sort of taking a backseat from snooker, haven't we? I know, I know, I have been. Uh, of course, continue my lifelong obsession with sports. So, following many other things, I'm sure you've been much the same. We've both had Wembley trips, haven't we? That that haven't ended the way we wanted. In fact, I went, I've been lucky. I went to both FA Cup finals, the women's and the men, both in their own way, very special occasions. And uh, but uh, neither went the, the way I wanted. But I'm afraid you had a really sore one, didn't you? I mean, I'm sure it was a special occasion going down there for your beloved Barnsley losing. But let's turn it into a positive. You also had a great time in Lisbon this week, you lucky, lucky rascal. Yeah, yeah. Let's start with that. Yeah, that was good. A little family trip to Lisbon. Would recommend there. I've been a couple of times on stag do's before, and this was a sort of different vibe with the family trip. Uh, but actually got to see some nice bits of it rather than just pubs. Um, but yeah, no, it was great. Um, what a great city. Um, but yeah, Wembley, not so good. Um, yeah, I don't know if anyone's interested. Barnsley lost in the last the last touch of the ball in extra time, 1-0 to Sheffield Wednesday. Um, pretty painful way to go out. But um, yeah, sort of, I don't know, I was going to say, but it was a nice trip down. It wasn't really. <laughs> <laughs> Those kind of things are all just dependent on the result. It's a long old drive from Sheffield to London if, and then drive straight back to watch that. So uh, we'll go again next season now. I'll be there. Yeah, of course you will. And, and uh, I, I heard you know good things about that performance. And uh, yeah, that's the way it goes. Football drawing to an end, of course. Qatar still has an influence, as it did in snooker, as it did in everything else. The football, of course, finishing later than it ought to do. And uh, but I, I've had a, a more of a humble trip in the last few days. Been to Wales to Tembe, what an absolutely beautiful place mm. that is. And uh, you know, didn't have a spot of rain, Phil. So I sort of teased a few of our Welsh listeners. Said, I think you lot are exaggerating the issue. Always raining. Yeah. It never stops raining in Wales. Didn't see one drop. So I think they. I I'm not, I'm not going to say they're just all you know lying. That that would that would be wrong. You can't do, accuse people of doing that. But. Maybe exaggerating the issue, but seriously, what a lovely place Tembe is and really had a nice time. But we have had snooker with me, as you say, in the background. Q School, of course, has been some really important action there, which we'll turn to later on. But maybe first, shall we sort of dot the I's and cross the T's a bit on the sort of tail end of the season that was 22-23? Now, we were lucky to be joined by Jason Francis, weren't we? Really, really nice episode that in Sheffield just before the World Seniors. Well, we thoroughly enjoyed it, didn't we? I know I watched a fair bit of it, certainly during the week. And Jimmy White, well, what a season he had. And he capped it off in the ideal fashion, uh, winning the title again, beating Alfie Burden 5-3 in the final. And as he pointed out to Rob Walker, unlike some of those 
World Championship finals many years ago. He actually remembers these ones, Phil. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it's great to see Jimmy doing well in these. Um, and, you know, he, he had such a good season. He, I think he was a favourite going in, really, or certainly one of them. Um, and it was a nice story going through, wasn't it? He played his old pal Tony Drago in the semis, and then his and his pal Alfie Burden, they practised together. They've known each other for decades, so that was a nice final as well. And, and yeah, great tournament. There was all sorts going on. Um, nice to see the people you see in these tournaments all the time. Joe, Joe Johnson, Tony Knowles, people like that. Um, Mark Davis was in it. I think he actually was the favourite, probably with the bookmakers, and there was that interesting news about him getting back on tour unexpectedly just before he played his first match, I think it was. So there was there seemed to be a lot going on storyline wise. Um so yeah, it was it was a memorable tournament. Yeah, no, uh, good way of summing it up. It did seem a lot going on and I probably followed it more than I did for about the last two or three actually. I think for, maybe for that reason and lots of sort of big names and interesting things. And I mean they come down on that Tuesday. I mean heavens I, I really I usually do feel it but I mean, I felt it quite a lot, actually. It, it feels like a proper loss when you, when those 17 days have gone. It's like, well, where's the snooker? Heavens above. <laughs> it's more like a month for us, isn't it, really, with qualifiers and everything. And the build-up, so it's just a long old time. But, you know, it's a nice way of sort of getting back into the game. It's not quite those high stakes, but it's really nice sort of viewing. I know they had, you know, nice figures on, on the BBC's digital services and, and deservedly so. It was a well-staged tournament. And maybe I'll just sort of tick through some of the results from the quarterfinals just to put us a bit more in the picture of what happened. In the last eight, Ben Hancock beat Gerard Green 4-3. It was Tony Drago 4, Mark Davis 3, Jimmy White 4, Adrian Ridley 0, and Alfie Burden 4, Stephen Hendry 1. The semifinals, as you uh, said there, Jimmy playing Tony Drago and uh, Jimmy winning by four frames to one. And it was Alfie Burden 4, Ben Hancock 1. Now, I noticed... Tony Drago ticked off the aforementioned Rob Walker for not looking smart enough, Phil. And, you know, there's there's all sorts of harmless of funny things. I'm going to say, well, is, is, it, is it really a thing, you know? Well, I'm going to say on this occasion very much so because Rob, at the after-final party in Sheffield, said to me that I looked like a scarecrow. Now, I, 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 I probably do at times. Let's, let's be clear, the mirror doesn't lie. I don't think you can say that sort of thing. Expect no comeback. What happens a few days later? It's pure karma, Phil Hay. Yeah, Drago got him back for looking so scruffy, he said. Uh, I think that was after his first round match, wasn't it? Uh, Rob was just slightly more relaxed in his sort of jumper and shirt rather than the full suit. But um, he came back for his next match in a full tuxedo. So he learned his lesson. You get ticked off by the Maltese Falcon just once. And then you come back uh, looking like James Bond. So, yeah, that was uh, that's <laughs> my stuff about the seniors, though. It is a, you get little bits like that. It's just, it is more relaxed. And uh, I mean, having someone like Drago around, he's pure entertainment on the table, off the table. Great stuff. Um, and you mentioned, actually, I, I remember when you mentioned Adrian Ridley there, who's the Aussie player. I didn't know anything about before. Um, but I saw Neil Robertson tweet about him, wishing him good luck against Jimmy. And he, he called him by his nickname, which is the Yarrawonga Yeti, which is. <laughs> One of the best ones I've ever heard. So uh, hopefully we'll see Adrian Ridley again, just to, just so that gets another run out at some point. Can you say it again, please? The Yarrawonga Yeti. Now Yarrawonga is where he's from in Aus- in Australia, um, and I don't know. He's quite big and he's got a beard, so that's the Yeti thing, I think. <laughs> Doesn't sound like much in Australian places, it Yarrawonga. I would have been guessing for ages had I not known. <laughs> yeah. but, ba- but basically. Uh, it, you're right. There is such a nice sort of humour running through it. It's a bit more relaxed, but you know, let's not, you know, go too far on that score. It's it's important what happens on the table. Some of those guys are, you know, still blood, sweat, and tears to get the result. And uh, you know, it's really nice viewing. And Jimmy White, as we said, won the final, beat Alfie Burden five three. Final wasn't the best quality, but I think maybe playing twice that day, it's sort of quite hard work. I was actually at football that night. Actually, I was at West Ham Manchester United game, so I didn't see an awful lot of it. Saw the end. But Jimmy, my goodness me, I mean, he, you know, he um, he just crowned off what was an excellent season. Uh, it's hard to put time on it. I, I've been saying a bit of a stab in the dark, sort of 15 years, maybe. That's almost the length of time you have to go back to for a Jimmy as good as this. You know, and the credit to him just has to go, you know, now in his 60s, his love for the game, we know, is profound. And while so many sort of stars from his era have long stopped, Phil, in the mm. comedy box, doing coaching, or just long drifted away from the game, this man is still going. 
Yeah, and he's putting in the hard work, isn't it? And that, I think that's what most people struggle with. It's just their endless practice. But he, he doesn't seem to have a problem with that. He seems to like it more than ever. So, um, yeah, it is, it's ages since he's been this consistent. Um, he's always been capable of pulling off results, but um, he's, he's been regularly pulling off very impressive results over the last year. Um, and it's a confidence thing as well. I mean, there were times in recent years where he said how much he was enjoying the game, but you watched him and it didn't really look like he was. Um, it looked like um, painful stuff playing the way he was. But um, yeah, he's playing really well again. So um, it's gonna he's going to be a force. It's not, it's not just, oh, look, Jimmy White's playing. You know, that's almost like a novelty value. It's like he's a genuine, not contender for tournaments. That's far, that's too far really. But certainly a contender to beat anyone and beat Judd Trump last season. So... He's competitive against anyone these days. Yeah. And a, a, a contender to make sort of last 16, and maybe he has a brilliant week last eight type thing. That's not beyond hmm. if he carries on playing like he has. It'll be really interesting to see uh, when we uh, go into the next season. Well, let's look at the WST awards then, Phil, for 22 uh, 23. And not many surprises here. Uh, I think I'll be reacting at the end saying that pretty much agree with all of them. But Let's run through them. WST Player of the Year, Mark Allen. Fans Player of the Year, Mark Allen. Snooker Journalist Player of the Year, Mark Allen. Performance of the Year, Luca Purcell. Rookie of the Year, Julian Leclerc. Magic Moment of the Year, Mark Selby's 147. And Breakthrough Player of the Year, Siege Raihi. And of course, the Hall of Fame we knew about, that wonderful reception he got at the Crucible. Uh, the one and only John Virgo. So Mark Allen dominating, rightly, Phil, I think, you know, um, I think it was Selby that was talking quite eloquently at the Crucible. May have after it been after he was knocked out about how, you know, the world the world champion doesn't need to be player of the season. And I, and I think we, uh, it's just a hunch I have. I think we in the media, perhaps even more inclined than most groups, to sort of wait a lot on the Crucible. That's how it's looked over the years to me. But on this occasion, it was right. Luca Purcell did something incredible in Sheffield, and he won another ranking event, of course, let's not forget. Mm. But Allen did, over the season, I think, just do more than his rivals, didn't he? Although, of course, there's always nuance in these things. He was saying he didn't play at his best, which just goes to show, you know, saying it again, you know, if he's getting that in his armoury now, having a sort of B game at times and winning, that's all the better for him. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he, he won those three tournaments, but there was also, you know, the semis at the the Worlds went a long way, got close to the final. Um Fun at the British as well. Um, so I think overall, if if you were sort of awarding points to every tournament where you got in every tournament, if someone had actually made a system of that and totted them all up, I think Alan would come out on top um, in terms of consistency, what he'd done over every tournament. Um, obviously, if you'd give the most points to the World Championship, Luca would still be behind him on what he'd done over the rest of the season, I think. So, yeah, he was, uh, he was my vote. Um, and yeah, he, he's got to be pleased with that season overall. It was uh, amazing for him, even if it ended disappointingly. Um, and the rest of them, yeah, you can't so can't take performance of the year away from Luca. Um, Julian Luca is an interesting one. I think that's just done on sort of um, the one year list, I guess. Who was highest up the one year list from is a rookie, and he got to the shootout final. Um, so that gave him a load of points on that. So maybe there might have been other rookies that are more consistent. I'd have to have a look, but. Um, yeah, I mean, if you get to a ranking tournament final, then you deserve it, even if it's the, the shootout and it does look very impressive. So, yeah, no no arguments with any of those, really. They were all memorable things. 147 in the Crucible final. You can't take that away from a magic moment, can you? So, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, that was. I mean, oh, we talk about magic moments. That's just right up there with anything we've seen in snooker, really, wasn't it? The old, getting the old Mexican wave going and just the, the atmosphere of that place that night and just the achievement. In some ways, I think... I could be reaching too much here, but I almost think we didn't give it quite enough credit because in the sense that there's never been one in the final, I think I might have thought there might have been a bit more for that, just for that sheer fact that we've never had mm. one in the final. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's the fact that events take over and what, what happens in the final is so important. Luca winning, that was kind of the, the line, wasn't it? But hell of a moment, really. And then, well, breakthrough player of the year. What C. Joy he did in that tournament was stunning, really. Should have reached the final. Let's be clear, he had a big, big lead, but, he, you know, he couldn't do it. But let's hope he sort of builds on this now. And, you know, I see no reason why, you know, he won't do. Maybe not straight away, but, you know, if you don't take confidence from a run like that, then then you won't from anything. And, of course, John Virgo, Hall of Fame. And, 
well, we, we, none, none of us can argue with that. We enjoyed listening to John throughout the tournament, as we always do. And uh, that pretty much, um, in terms of the main tour, ended the long, long season, Phil. As you say, we've got a few weeks to wait for the, ne- for the next campaign, and we're kicking off with the Championship League. And as we know, Phil, with the Championship League, there are more episodes of that these days than there are EastEnders. So that's, um, we need a sort of drum roll for that, maybe, or um, or Tumbleweed, which is exactly what I've got and deserved. But that, that's, that's, that's the event coming up, isn't it? Kicking off the season. But a few weeks to wait till that. So we'll just reflect again, shall we, and just say it was an excellent season, wasn't it? You know, it, I think the nature of us having a break, and I know it's a few other pods that have been on their break too, it's because not just Sheffield, but it's just such an overwhelming thing to follow a, a campaign all the way through, isn't it? With so many twists and turns, so many stories. And again, we've got to say we're spoiled as, as journalists and fans of, in this sport, aren't we really? With the number of stories, the number of just brilliant tournaments we see and that sort of long may it last. Oh yeah. Superb. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it is a, it is a come down after the championship, isn't it? But, you sort of need it. And the seniors is a nice way to ease yourself out because it's not just the, the epic nature of the World Championship. There's so, you feel like you're building up for, to it for so long. Like we, we'd say on here all the time, oh, it's Sheffield's on the horizon. And then, <laughs> then it's a mammoth effort. Um, and, then it's, and then it's over. And then a, and a week to ease out. And then it's good to have a, a little break. And, uh, you know, even with Q School uh, over the last week or so, I've been following that really closely. But I've almost liked that it's not easily available to stream or our stream is knocking around but um i'm happy not to watch it really um, it's nice to sort of go in old school and just sort of follow in the the scores um and then we'll come back strong and be watching every ball again when the season starts um but yeah now it's been a good break after yeah brilliant season as always there's always you never get to the end of a season thing oh that was rubbish <laughs> and certainly not this one spectacular way to finish it after you know, endless in- interesting stories over the campaign. So, yeah, already getting excited for the next one now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, those streams for Q School have to be among the dodgiest streams I've ever <laughs> seen. I mean, you have to have, what is it, a, you know, a certain VPN, a, a, a Beijing postcode. You have to sort of, you know, point, point your aerial towards North America. It's absolutely, you know, and then it, <laughs> and then it comes through like a sort of 1980s, you know, like it's not, it's, it's not, it's not the best, is it really? But I know no. what you mean. It, it's more of a sort of fol- old school, of course. Element of teletext isn't there for some of us old timers, and looking at those scores ticking over. But but yeah, I know what you mean. That sometimes less is more. It's a bit like I always think now. When I used to go on holiday many years ago, it was so hard to to find out sports results. There was almost a romance about it. You had to wait for a newspaper. Or, yeah, it was sort of ridiculous. Ringing home, absolutely preposterous, really. And now you get them instantly, which is great. And of course, it's you know on some levels it's 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 a preferable, you know, state. But there's a romance gone a bit, I think. And the, do you know what I mean? Definitely, yeah. It's nice to sort of obviously it's great for all the instant access and be able to watch almost everything all the time. Um, and you wouldn't you wouldn't swap that. But it's nice to nice to have it taken away sometimes. I went to Cuba a few years ago, and they have the internet, but not sort of widely. You have to sort of go and buy a card and sit in a cafe. With, and you get like an hour's pass. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't be on the internet for a week. Um, and it was great. It was so nice just to not have the option. And then when you get your hour's pass and you flick through the football results and the snooker scores, you're just like, what did I even want to look at anyway? <laughs> so it's fine without it. So, that, yeah, that was lovely. Um, so, yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't trade it in for life, but uh, it's nice to be enforced to have a break from it sometimes, I think. God, imagine if they gave us all only an hour pass on the internet every day now. I, I wouldn't know what to do with myself. That's bad to admit, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Go out and do stuff like walking and meet people and stuff. Goodness. Um, okay, let's move on. Women's British Open, Phil. Congratulations to Bayou Lou. Winning the title in only her second event on the World Women's Snooker Tour. Uh, a really uh, yeah, tremendous effort. The 19-year-old following up her run to the world final with a brilliant victory at the Landywood Club in Walsall, beating Rianne Evans 4-3 in the final. Well, there was some serious consolation, and perhaps we probably need a word bigger than consolation for Rianne, because it was obviously a very big deal. She's back on tour, her run to the final in that event, and a quarter-final exit for Ronnie Yee, meaning that uh, Rianne finishes the season uh, on top of the world rankings, and that means that she gets her two-year tour card back. So... Uh, in many ways, good things for both finalists. I caught the end of that, actually. 
Uh, so good play in, in the final. He got very tense towards the end, as you imagine, in that decider. And Bayou Lu was always ahead of that last frame. You sort of thought, is Rand going to come back? But, uh, but Bayou Lu got over the line. But it, it look, always looks like a nice club, that. I know we talked about that in here before. Possible future venue for the Tony Mio Trophy, Phil. Mm. Congratulations to, to Bayou Lu. That obviously making a hell of an impression. And that's a, a, a tremendous win for her. Yeah, um, she looks uh, something very special indeed, sort of a ridiculous impact. People knew about her before, but um, she couldn't travel really and compete during COVID. So um, it's not completely out of the blue, but uh, it's still thoroughly impressive. Uh, I think she made the only century of that tournament as well. Um, She knocked out on you in the quarters as well. So she's really sort of gone straight to the top of of the women's game. And it's the scoring, I think. Um, They're all good players, but... uh, I think scoring is what seems to let them down the, the women that have been playing on the tour. They don't make loads of big breaks, but Bai seems to be able to um, pretty regularly, as she's showing in Q school, which she'll get to as well. So, um, yeah, 19 years old, she's going to be going to be a real force already in the women's game. And you never know, might be on the main tour as well. Which we really need and want, don't we? We want these 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 young female stars, these these you know, players breaking through. And as you say, that her scoring is, is just excellent and was throughout that tournament. Uh, just to put in a little bit more on the results and we've already mentioned a couple of them there, Phil. Quarterfinals, Rianne Evans, three, Maria Catalano, nil, Ploy Chompu, Lau Capfong, three, Jamie Hunter, one, Rebecca Kenner, three, Laura Evans, one, and Bayou Lu, three, on Yi, two. That was a cracking win for Bayou Lu, obviously, at that stage. Semi-finals, Rianne Evans, four, Rebecca Kenner, one, Bayou Lu four, Ploy Chompu, Liao Katfong one. And then the final, Bayou Lu four, Rianne Evans three. And as you mentioned there, Phil, Bayou Lu taking that form into Q School, where she had another win last night. She beat Zach Koska 4-1 in a previous match. And then Joshua Tamond, she won 4-3. That's last night, Sunday night here in the UK. So getting a big tournament win under her belt, obviously you know, giving her a lot of confidence and really making an impression on, on at Q School. Yeah, it's it's really impressive. Um, you know, those guys, um, I know anyone can turn up and play at Q School, but those guys are not those those kind of players. You know, Josh Tommond and Zach Koska can can certainly play. So to get wins over that, uh, of those guys, uh, very impressive. Um, she only narrowly lost out 4-3 in, in the first event to Craig Stedman, who is... Uh, very reliable at Q School, very experienced professional. Um, so yeah, she's she's been very very good. Um, I I watched the last uh, World Super tweeted because that that win over Tomond came down to the final black, um, and uh, World Super tweeted the, the final pink and black, and she it was an amazing part uh, on the pink to get back round onto the black. So have a look on that; it's on their social medias. It's really excellent. So. She's got Simon Bedford next, which is another test. Not easy at all, um, but she'll be confident and she's she's proved that she can uh, win matches at this level. So it's certainly not out of the question that she'll she'll win a tour card, which would be huge news and uh, sort of welcome to see. Um, so, yeah, she's certainly one of the... There's lots of stories going on at Q School, aren't there? But she's certainly one of the most compelling ones that people are keeping an eye on. Definitely. I think that next match is actually today, Monday in the UK. So... Mm. Keep an eye on that. Snooker.org, our friends there. We had a few unfortunate problems, didn't they, during Sheffield, which we were quite, I say sad, I go as far as saying bereft at times, us snooker people, without that without that, that system and that service. But it's back up and running well now. I think you're nodding your head, Phil. So that, that's the way I tend to follow most of these things. What about you? Still that way? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, it was, it was unfortunate, right? That they, I think they had server issues joining the world, so that just showed how much I use that website, which is an awful lot, but it's absolutely fine now. So, uh, yeah, keep keep on going to snooker.org. It's great. Um, but, yeah, I, I was following that all last night. There were some some big names. So now there's only two two events in Q School, obviously, this year. So anyone who's already lost in the second event, their, their chance of the tour card is over. And there's some notable names already gone. I was watching last uh, following last night. Louis Heathcote beat Mitchell Mann late on 4-3, so that's Mann off, off uh, for the season. Barry Pinchers, he lost 4-0, he's gone. Fraser Patrick, Stephen Hallworth, uh, Jamie O'Neill, Liam Davies as well, who is sort of, we've all been expecting to come on in the next, in, in the near future, um, but he's just not quite found a way. So, um, yeah, some some notable players to miss out already, and there's going to be more with only four spaces left, and there's a lot of good players still in there. So, um yeah, there'll be four very relieved people and a lot more very disappointed people by the end of Q School. There's a lot of talent 
in, in, in those names there and those players, isn't there, Phil, that won't be on tour? Goodness me. A couple of good friends of the podcast there and, yeah, a couple of old, you know, vet, veteran players that we've known for many years that won't be on. Well, let's maybe turn it to the players that we now know already will be on, the ones that earned two-year tour cards from event one of, of, of Q School. Well, it was Andrew Higginson, Andrew Padgett, Liam Pullen and Alexander Ursenbacker. Now, of course, three of those players uh, are sort of regulars on tours. Higginson has been in a big ranking for the Welsh, I think, wasn't it, before? Yeah. Ursenbacker, we have seen in ranking event semi-finals. He has that thing where he beats Ronnie O'Sullivan, didn't he? Famously did it at the UK on television and maybe one or two other times as well. Bizarre the way yeah. it happened. Padgett has been a pro on and off for many years now. So I think it's fair to say that the biggest story of those is Pullen um, uh, making it onto the tour at the age of uh, 17. He beat Alex Taubman 4-0 to earn his uh, two-year uh, tour card. Now, of course, he was beaten by Stan Moody, wasn't he, in the final of the WSF Junior Championship earlier this year. And he spoke, I thought, very interestingly about how much that affected him. Uh, but, you know, so badly wanted um, to, to sort of you know, get on tour as soon as he could. And he, he did just that. He beat Craig Stedman as well, didn't he, in that first event? And he says, well, I'm looking forward to the next two seasons. This is Pullen. After losing to Stan, who is by far the better player in that final, I learned a lot. And if I didn't get to that final, I wouldn't have qualified this week. So that's really interesting, I think. Grit, determination and staying calm was huge. I wanted it so bad. It was really hard for me after Australia. I practiced really hard when I got home. I shouldn't have done it. And I should have had a week off and a mental break. It was an emotional time. And that's all very interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, even at that age, speaks to such maturity, doesn't he? Mm. That he can analyse his own behaviour, if you like, and, you know, shouldn't have done that, but couldn't resist it. It really hurt him. But says, if it hadn't been for that experience, he probably wouldn't have been hardened enough to get through now. And that's that's so interesting, isn't it? Yeah, really good. Um, and yeah, if you, if you can learn to take the positives out of hard losses, then uh, that'll take you a long way because every single player has a lot of horrible losses in this sport. Um, so, yeah, that is a very admirable quality of such a young man. Um, some great wins. Yeah, I mean, he's been one of the notable young talents for a little while now. He's based at the Northern in Leeds, isn't he? and he's he, just an incredibly hard worker. I think he travels in from York like every day to practice there. Mm. Um, and it's a great school, obviously, with the, both both linesmen and uh, David Gray, Sanson Lamb. And so a few other good players knocking around there. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's great to see, I mean, it said talent fulfilled potential, but he's only got on tour, there's a long way to go. But um, that's hard enough as it is. So it's a great achievement at his age. Um, and hopefully he can go and enjoy um, some time on tour. It's good that, um, I don't know how close he is with Stan Moody. I think they are mates. So it'd be good that they're both on tour together and can have a good crack at it. So, yeah, um, last year, I think, it was. It seemed like it was almost all just sort of old, recognisable faces coming back on, or had a little break and straightened back on. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's great to see young talent coming through, and uh, yeah, Liam's definitely that. And it was nearly nearly for Boyko, wasn't it? Um, he lost out to Paget, but um, he's still going strong in his second event. So that would be it. Would be good to see another. Uh, if we could get another teenager through or young player, that would be great. Yeah, you're so right. You need a mixture, really, and it. it... The majority, most years to me, seem like guys that have either come straight back or been away maybe a year maximum, often of a certain age. They're so experienced in in those sort of tough scenarios. But yeah, good good to have a mix, definitely. Well, Higginson got back on beating Hayden Pinney 4 0. Lots of David Grace, didn't he, on Judgment Day, memory mm. serves. So he, you know, that, that, that was a chance to get his tour card back then. Uh, but he lost that match, but he's back on now. And he says, I didn't have a lot of high hopes coming into it. But if you have the right frame of mind and tunnel vision, that stands you in good stead. Having the year off tour was probably something I needed. For years, I've been putting too much pressure on myself. The game is hard enough. I think when you relax and you're happy, you play your best snooker. It'll be nice to meet up with my mates on tour again. That's always the feeling you get, that they're all a bit of a... Community, obviously, a lot of them have known each other many, many years. Ursenbacker beat Barry Pinch's 4-3. As you say, Barry now out of uh, event two as well. Made a break at 69 in the deciders to win that. Ursenbacker said, I just didn't want to play another week of Q school. What it does to you, it's not healthy. Says it all, Phil, doesn't it? And uh, I know I'm guaranteed two years now, and I'm going to make some changes because I can't do that again. 
And that comes through time and time again. Andrew Padgett actually, as you say, beat Julian Boyko 4-2. He said, I'm just relieved. It's hard work here. It's tough. There are lots and lots of players and it's a short format. It's brutal, basically. I couldn't think of anything worse than another six days of hell out there. I mean, the, the imagery they throw up, I mean, I, we weren't at Q school, but, you know, you just get this stifling feeling, even reading this, you know, that um, I always think Fergal, very interesting. I think he said it about qualifying, but he also said it about Q school. And he was there recently, wasn't he? And he was saying, he was going around, Fergal O'Brien saying, well, I don't think you won't get through and you won't get through. And I don't think you'll get through. That experience telling, you know, you have to have the right mentality and it's so difficult. And you, actually, I must flag up that piece you wrote, Phil, which feel free to talk about when you talked about people that have been there and done it and mostly a number of times, wasn't it? And they were, mm. they were that was a, that was a great piece. And they were sort of saying a bit of a cliche of it, you know, one game at a time. That was one thing that came through, but you know, to, to have the mental wherewithal to approach that event, I, th- I thought your piece said a lot, actually sort of fascinating. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I enjoyed what I that. I spoke to a couple of guys I've not spoke to before. Um, yeah. I spoke to Craig Stedman because he's been through it more, more than anyone. And Fraser Patrick, uh, Sanson Lamb and Fergal. Fergal's only been there once, but he's got a perfect record. He only had to go there once and got through in the first event. So um, the other guys multiple times, but Fergal equally well placed. Um, and yeah, it's, I mean, it's they're almost sort of cliche advantage. You got to try and enjoy it, try and not put too much pressure on yourself. And they're very much easier said than done, but you've got to at least try these things. And um, yeah, Fer- Fergal speaks so so well. I, I, I spoke to him when I was writing that piece. He was talking about his coaching that he's doing now and he wants to be in the corner of pros going forward to help them sort of uh, adapt to life on tour and improve. And when whenever he speaks about the game, it's so impressive. I, I can't imagine he'd be bad at that job. So, yeah, uh, I can certainly see that in his future. Um, but, yeah, it's, it, it is, he compared it to the World Championship qualifiers as well in terms of um, it feels like lots more pressure because you lose and then you just... I mean, you're away for a season at least if you're losing Q to, in Q school, but the world is a bit like that. You miss out. It's the biggest thing of the season. Then you've got a load of time off. Um, so it's, it, it, it does sound grim. No one, even if you come through, no one comes away and says, oh, what a brilliant tournament that was. You know, it's just pure relief. Um, so fair play to anyone who, you know, even gets any wins there. It must be horrible, but uh, especially the ones who get through. Um, and it's coming to an end tomorrow, isn't it? So as I say, there'll be four... Delighted to relieve people and a load of load of miserable ones. <laughs> yeah, but your, your way of summing it up. Yeah, and we'll talk about event two next time on, on Talking Snooker. We may try and get a voice as well, mightn't we, uh, from Q School? No, no promises. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll see what what we might be able to get for you, but we'll certainly have a good good old review of the rest of Q School when, when we return uh, on this podcast next time. And congratulations to the four players who are already, and obviously commiserations to, to those that haven't made it. It really is the, the toughest of schools, Q School, and we'll continue to follow the remaining matches uh, with interest. So we move on to a bit of correspondence, Phil? Yeah, let's do that. And we have had quite a lot in not related to the World Championship, and we'll tackle those in a special Your Views episode at the end of this month, and we'll tell you about our guest presenter joining us for that a little bit later. But I thought we've had a few bits here that are very much sort of crucible related. So probably tackle them now because then it'll, it'll get a bit, bit later if we do it sort of in a few weeks time. Anyway, let's press ahead with Gaz147 on Twitter. That was such an enjoyable world championship. I think it was the best result for the whole sport for Luca to win the final. Nothing against Mark, who is a great champion. But for a new winner from a new area has to be a benefit for snooker. Two questions for you after the tournament. Can Luca take this victory forward and become one of the very top players in the game on a consistent basis? And can Mark Selby get close to Ronnie O'Sullivan and Stephen Hendry's seven world titles despite missing out this year? Um, I think, to be honest with you, the answer to those is both could happen, but, you know, both might not. I mean, <laughs> there's no guarantee that Luca becomes one of the very top players in the game. I think if you were putting money on it, probably say he would be because the confidence he gets now from this and the extra consistency he's shown, not just this season, but over a few seasons now, you know, he'll just be walking tall. Not always easy immediately after a crucible win. 
you know, the, the game is littered over the years and decades with players that have found the season immediately after really hard with so many distractions. But not to say he will. He could hit the ground running. That's We've, we've seen that as well over the years. Maybe less times, but we have seen it. So, um, probably will be a top player. But, you know, he'll have to continue working, obviously, and, uh, you know, build on this. You know, he won't he won't want to rest on his laws. I'm sure he won't. As for Mark Selby getting... Well, it's obviously much harder now. Had he got to five, you'd have started looking at it a bit more closely. Just show how hard it is to to win the bloody thing, to go all the way, you know, and you've mentioned this before, actually, Phil, talking about runners-up and maybe hinting we don't always give runners-up enough credit because I think you mentioned it in relation to Sean Murphy. We always say a one-time world champion. He's actually been in four world finals. Yeah. It's almost like that doesn't doesn't matter sometimes. It does matter, really. And to get to a final, it's still a big, big deal. But obviously for... What age is he into his? Is he into his forties now? Or close? Must be thirty-nine, I think. Yeah, must be very nearly forty. Yeah, he could. The way the top guys are going, uh, he'll have a good decade probably at the top. But winning it three more times in a decade—that's hard, you know. As you get older, so probably in terms of the Luca one, if I had to put money, I'm not a gambler. But if I was, I'd put money on that he will be a top player. If I put money on Mark, I'd say he probably wouldn't get to seven. But it could go either way, Phil. That's enough fence hitting for me. Take <laughs> the fence away and sit on it yourself if you wish to. <laughs> yeah, I think I might. It's hard to say, isn't it? I mean, Luca he's is a top player, already. He's been he's been coming to the World Championship as a seed for recent years. He's that was his fourth ranking title um in the last couple of years, you know, UK final as well. He lost an English Open final to Selby last season. So um, it depends what you mean by top players, isn't it? It does. It does often seem that there's a, a group of top players, and there's the real elite at the top, for sort of three or four, where it's you know Sullivan and Robertson, Selby and Trump, largely and Higgins, I suppose. Um, and is he consistently going to be in that group? I'd probably say no. Certainly not. It not immediately anyway. Um, just because of his style of play, um, he'll he'll be up and down. Um, to an extent, I think probably his base level will go up now, but it's still, I don't think he's going to be one of these remarkably consistent players just because he hasn't really got in, any intention of being. Um, he's not going to change his style of play and he knows what that means. He knows that's, he'll, that'll cost him matches sometimes and he's fine with that. And that's great to watch. Um, but I think that probably will, will cost him just being regularly in that very, very elite bracket. But He's only, even if he's just behind that, then he's still a top player in my eyes, isn't he? If he's going to be in the top eight in the world consistently, that's still top player. So, yes, yes and no, I suppose, is my answer there. Um, and Selby, uh, uh, I guess he would be odds against to make that at the minute, but things can change so quickly, can't they? I mean, we, I think we'd all sort of, not written off, obviously, but all decided Ronnie was odds against uh, to make seven and then Bosch to in to in very quick succession and it's sorted. Um, so, yeah, Selby's going to be, you know, barring any disasters this season, he'll be going to World Championship next year as one-off, if not the favourite, and he'll probably continue to do that for the next few years. So it's certainly possible. I agree. I wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't put, you, well, it depends what the odds are. <laughs> I suppose I would say it's less likely than likely that it will happen, but um, you certainly wouldn't rule it out. Yeah, I think you summed that all up very well. Yeah, you're right about that. Just thinking in my head when you mentioned Ronnie, because, of course, the COVID one was delayed to the August. He actually won two in 21 months, didn't he? And mm. I was one of those that thought you might be stuck on five. Hands up. I have to say, that was that was the evidence of it. Now he looks almost a bit silly. He's got the seven that we, we thought that, but it, he just was not getting anywhere near. And, and, and the crucial thing for me was, or one of the crucial things, he was being beaten by players that he had amazing career records against. As well, yeah. not only and also plus the Cahill, which is a, 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 a monster shock. But no, I, he might get to six, but no, I think he's stuck on five. To be honest, the way it's looking, and then bang, bang, seven. So yes, you're right. You never know, and uh, Selby certainly good enough. And uh, well, we 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 read out our uh, WST uh, players of the year that we journalists voted for, and, and, and WST voted for, and and they decided on those. We now have our own. Listen to verdict, Phil, next for you. Yeah, this is Jay Brennan on email who 
came up with his own uh, Snook Season Awards. Best player, Mark Allen. Best game, Luke Rizal versus Xi Jiahui, World Championship semi-final. Best tournament, the Worlds. Best performance, Luca winning the Worlds. Best single match performance. This is Kyron Wilson making six centuries in beating Ding Junhui 10-5 in the Tour Championship semi-finals. So it's amazing how quickly you forget things like that. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just slipped my mind. Uh, best presenter, Hazel Irvin. Uh, best in sport, full stop, he says. Uh, best analyst, Stephen Hendry. Best media moment, Dave Hendon's polemic during an episode of the Snooker Scene podcast about the spat between Steve Dawson and Ronnie O'Sullivan on the state of the game. Magic moment, Rob Milkins winning the Welsh. And Jay's been very kind here. Top five talking snooker episodes of the season. Neil Robertson, Brian Wright, Colin Murray, Christmas special with Dave Hendon and Hazel Irving. Thanks, Jay. Um, yeah, some good stuff there. I haven't gone through and done my own versions of this, I have to say. But yeah, as I say, it's amazing how quickly forget things. That game had slipped my mind completely. Um, and it, not that I'd forgotten Rob Milkins winning the Welsh, but it's lovely to be reminded of that because that was a magic moment. No, but I, I think I'd forgotten Kyron already. <laughs> yeah. This shows. I mean, if someone now you say it, I remember it very well. But it's funny, isn't it? So much happens, and especially in those last sort of six, seven, eight weeks of the season, that you know that's that it comes back to what I was saying earlier about how sport we are as snooker journalists and snooker fans. And yeah, Rob Milkins was was magic, wasn't it? I mean, you know that we get so many trophy shots, and you know. Healthy men like us in touch with our emotions, Phil. We, we often find a tear in our eye on nights like that, don't we? And uh, yeah. well, I mean that that was you know that that tugged at the heartstrings in a big way, didn't it? We know about some of the sadnesses in in, in Rob's life, but Joe Perry was, was this season, wasn't it? What scenes they were when he won with his parents was that or the season gone? I mean, yeah, so yeah, that was wonderful, and uh, you know, and you know, and then. We saw Ryan Day. Was, was was Joe Perry last season? I'm going mad now. When was that? No, see, that was the Welsh, the previous Welsh. That was the Welsh per season before. Of course it was. I'm thinking of a brilliant Ryan Day win. And then, of course, yeah, Rob Milkins was marvellous. So those 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 trophy shots, we you know, we, we just we, we just love. And yeah, Jay, J, you know, can't really argue with any of these. What a presenter Hazel is. Yeah, Hendry at his best, I think, is, is you know, he's just a terrific operator. Absolutely compelling to listen to and as for our episodes yeah really nice to be reminded of that I mean they all bring back such nice memories Phil I have to say I think if I was to say maybe a couple that really I think will be special to me would be Hazel Irving because I think hey get Hazel was was a really special thing and she was so interesting and she's such a I think just a, a, a big character in broadcasting far beyond just snooker and also Brian, you know, Brian Wright. I know it was recent, but I think there was something so personal about the way Brian opened up. And by the way, thanks for your correspondence about Brian Wright. Pretty much everyone said, you know, this is not to be read out. So we, we'll obviously respect that. But people say they were moved by Brian. Uh, you know, it, 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 it has been a help for people, no question. And I know we bumped into Brian a couple of times since, and he said that the people have, have stopped him, spoken to him. Uh, some I think have written to him as well and said, you know, how much they were moved by his appearance. So that that was really important. And they were all great. I mean, thing is, Neil, I think Neil, you know, they want to take credit away from us, but I think anyone could interview Neil Robertson, couldn't they really? He's just, <laughs> interested. He just would go off. He's just fascinating, isn't he? And Colin gave us so much good value about his, you know, life away from snooker as well as in it. And then our Christmas special with Dave. Now, we've got to try and cut down the three hours next time, Phil. We, we've got to try and inch that back towards two when we next do it. I think you're in charge of the next one, so it, it's on your head a bit. Try and inch us towards two. That's your target. Yeah, I think I think when it's sort of longer than... When I look at the film to watch Netflix, I'm not a big film person, but if it's if it's over two and a half hours, I think I'm not even going to bother with this. So we can't we can't be at that level again. Um, so if we cut down to a reasonable film length, then I think that's surely achievable. But uh, yeah, they are already fun. I mean, they're so long because we just love doing it, just love chatting away. So uh, that's why it happens, and I'm glad people enjoy them as well because it's a highlight of the year. It's quickly become one, hasn't it? <laughs> Very much so. And our last one was in the spirit, of course, of, of Val Dunican, wasn't it? A, a, a character very much from yesteryear. Maybe we'll, maybe, you, maybe you'll do it in the spirit of somebody a little more contemporary, Phil. Who the knows? one I've heard of once, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, well, we're on to John Hill now, aren't we? Uh, thanks for, you, for your free email, Jay. Much appreciated. And thank you to John as well, who says, Hello, gentlemen. A few thoughts regarding snooker merchandise. In the build-up to snooker's biggest tournament and on the official merchandise store, there were no products available to purchase. This seems a strange thing to have done at that time of the season. In general, the merchandise available online isn't perhaps as good as it could be with a reasonably limited range of products. Compare this to Ronnie O'Sullivan's merchandise store at the Worlds and you can see the marked difference. Snooker has its defined colours and this could be exploited quite well with merchandise. Clothing, mugs, etc. available in all the colours seems an obvious place to start. Finally, WST could sell those seat cushion things to use with the hard plastic seating with WST branding on them. I'm sure these would sell fairly well. All the best, John. Well, the the colour one's interesting. You know, what do you think? What's your, what's your what would be your favourite colour, Bill? This came up on on Twitter recently. Favourite colour to pot? I think for me, pound for pound, it had to be the blue because I love middle pockets, as I think we know. Yeah, I said to you, I really love middle pockets. I think that just in terms of, of potting them, it, the pocket's quite big, isn't it? When you go for that blue, especially a straight blue, I just love. I just like the blue really. I think it. It gets a very interesting variation of long blues. So if they were to do merchandising colours, I think I'd go for blue. But anyway, on the general point, <laughs> Ronnie's shop is a weird juxtaposition, isn't it? If that's quite the right word. Because it's, I mean, many people won't have been to Sheffield, of course. So we shouldn't presume by any means that everyone did. Ronnie's shop is now a few steps away from the back door of the Crucible, isn't it? It's, it's a few yards. Mm. We did our episode live from there with Jason Francis. And there is something a bit weird, in a way, about Ronnie's shop doing very well and being busy most of the time when I looked in there. And I walked past there quite a lot when I was there. And the merchandise at the Crucible, which is not brilliant, if we're honest. It's quite perfunctory, um, probably a polite way of saying it, and quite old school looking. I like old school stuff, but you get the feeling that it needs to be updated a little bit. And do you know what I mean about that contrast, Bill? I know it's something we yeah. we we sort of bark, bark on about quite a lot on here. Uh, I'm not saying it's the easiest thing in the world to develop, you know, better merchandise, but you you do think. I know you follow darts a lot. I see a lot of dart shirts around, and there's almost sort of nothing along that lines in snooker. And are we missing a trick? That's the bottom line here. Are we all missing a trick? Well, yeah, certainly someone's missing a trick because someone should be making some money out of some merchandise. From a very popular sport, you know, um, I don't think it's our job to, to do that. But uh, and I'm not sure I'd buy any of it anyway. I don't really buy sport merchandise that much. But certainly a lot of people would. And you say look at the darts, you know, you do see a lot of replica shirts being worn at the darts, and they've just found stuff to wear. You know, you see a lot of people wearing those sort of Peter Wright replica Mohicans. Um, you know, obviously we're not going to do that exact thing in snooker, but they found something that people will buy. And I'm not sure they found anything that people will buy on a regular basis, the snooker, really. Um, yeah, I had to look up because, um, you know, our friend Luke Williams asked me to go and check if his book was on the stall there um, during the Worlds. I went up there and it and it wasn't for an, another reason. But there were like two. There were two sort of not particularly new Jimmy White and Stephen Hendry books. So is that is that all we can manage at the World Championship? Um, and then just, yeah, a load of tat, really. So, um, yeah, there's, there's certainly... There's certainly someone is missing a trick because there's surely money to be made. Um, as you saw in the Ronnie O'Sullivan shop, that, that, we said that to Jason, didn't we? I wasn't just saying it because he was there. Um, it looked really good, all the running gear and stuff. It was sort of tastefully done. It wasn't sort of, um, you know, it had his little logo on. So anyone would wear it, really. It was good. Um, Mark Williams, I spoke to him about his sort of ever-increasing lines of stuff. Um, he, he can't believe how well it's doing, really. So... Um, Stephen Hendry sells his own stuff so that the players taking their own initiative um, and they're clearly making money on it because they wouldn't bother otherwise um, so yeah it does seem like a trick is being missed by someone why it can't be improved um, but yeah in terms of my favourite ball <laughs> I mean I nearly all exclusively wear black so I would probably have to go with the black because that would suit my <laughs> clothing style I think black's probably second isn't it because it's such an interesting ball isn't it it's the final ball of a one four seven or big breaks or you know there's just the you know five reds five blacks six reds six blacks thing yeah. um that's yeah that's that's right up there 
But, uh, well, there we are. We thank you for those, those bits of correspondence. We really do want more as well, because, as I say, we, we have got a Your Views coming soon. And actually, maybe we'll say that now, because it feels like about the right time. We'll be joined by one of Britain's biggest sports writers, Jeremy Wilson from The Telegraph. I know we've both spoken to and enjoyed getting to know at The Crucible. Really, is a, a brilliant voice, Jeremy. And he actually wrote some excellent, excellent stories during this World Championship gone one with Mark Williams, one with aforementioned Rob Walker. Rob Walker's getting a lot of talk on this episode, Phil. Still more to come. Mm. Served, of course, one of Snooker's great characters. And, um, he, yeah, he really... And he, he, I think he spoke to John Brown and Dennis Taylor as well, not, not so long ago as well. So, Jeremy, really good Snooker voice now. And we'll have him on to address your views in a special episode at the end of the month. So, as I say, we've got maybe four or five good bits in already, but we really could do with a few more. So talkingsnooker at yahoo.com is our email address, talkingsnooker at yahoo.com and tweet us at talkingsnooker. And while we're saying about guests, we'll also have a very good one soon. We're really looking forward to. We'll have Brendan Cooper joining us, Bill, the author of a book, Deep Pockets, Snooker and the Meaning of Life, which I have to admit, I feel like a bit like a naughty schoolboy here. I haven't read. You have. But I am going on another little trip soon and I'm going to take it there to read it before we have Brendan on here. But I know you've spoken very well of it. So we're looking forward to two top guests. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's great. Definitely recommend it. And I'd be interested to have Brendan on to speak about it and uh, and all sorts of other stuff as well, I imagine. But yeah, no, I would highly recommend that book. It's, uh, it's really great. Yeah, I, I read it on a, on a trip. That's when I get most of my reading done. So, yeah, great. Good idea to take it with you. <laughs> Thank you. That's what, that's what I'm, I'm planning to do. Well, we should say you are listening to the first Talking Snooker of our summer season, which we're rather grandly calling it. Summer season, a bit of a throwback to, to yesteryear, Bill, when <laughs> those stars used to appear on, on piers in summer seasons forever and a day. I used to love that, going with my dad back in the back in the 80s and maybe into the 90s as well. We've got our own summer season starting here on, on Talking Snooker and loads of great guests to come and big features uh, and, and your view is prominent as well in the coming weeks and months. But just to be serious for a moment, we are still waiting, aren't we, for the verdicts following Snooker's match-fixing inquiry. We know they are coming at any time, and I do mean that. I think, uh, you know, it's literally an any-day scenario now. We've had a story from Martin Siegler, one of our very best sports journalists, at The Times, a newspaper that I'm very happy and proud to say that I now work for. And Martin writes this, the biggest match-fixing scandal in Snooker is set to lead to lengthy bans for some of the 10 Chinese players who have appeared before a disciplinary commission. Insiders say that an announcement of the sanctions is imminent and multi-year bans for some players who have all been suspended since being charged in January are expected. But that's the mood music, isn't it? We're going to see serious bans, long bans, and deservedly so, frankly, uh, for these players if they are indeed guilty of uh, the charges, we'll wait and see. It's a bit of a tension, isn't there, Phil? I know we will continue to say not too much in terms of any detail. That's the right thing to do. There's a bit of an underlying tension, isn't it? Because we know it's bad news coming and we'll, we'll rightly address that on this podcast. And of, of course, in elsewhere, our colleagues will do that throughout snooker journalism. And it's not going to be good news. Uh, certainly the majority, if not all of it, is going to be very bad news. But we're still waiting for it. And it's a continuing, uh, you know, continuing to refresh social media and the news wise because we are expecting this news very soon, aren't we? Yeah, that's the thing. I don't think anyone's being too sort of shady about not releasing a dead, uh, date. We're expecting it because it's it's just with the, the independent um, people. <laughs> it's sport resolutions, isn't it? It's Ian Mill, KC, who's uh, bringing, who's going to, you know, announce the verdict. Well, not announce. He'll not announce it, but he'll be telling. Um, WPBSA and that I don't think they'll get a lot of notice and then that'll be coming out uh, shortly after that so yeah we're just waiting it'll be uh, it's very soon any any moment really we're sort of all on uh, on tenterhooks for it so uh, any time now but uh, yeah I know it's good and bad news isn't it you know it's not it's not good news that people are going to get lengthy bans but it, that is good news in a way that you know it's being caught and dealt with and people will hopefully be seeing it as a deterrent for any future problems. So, yeah, um, that is coming now. And uh, I imagine um, our next Your Views will probably be heavily related to that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I would certainly agree with that. And uh, well, it, it it should be said, of course, that 
you know, when the verdicts come through, we will, of course, discuss them in full in Talking Snook. I know you'll want to have, you know, your say as well. And, well, we will wait for those and we'll move on and talk about Ronnie O'Sullivan, who has been busy plugging his book, Phil, uh, Unbreakable, which included an appearance on Desert Island Discs. And uh, Ronnie also on The Late Late Show. I mean, old, older listeners will remember that. Certainly it used to be shown on Channel 4 here in the UK with, with Gay Byrne going back years. Exactly. You know, very interesting new presenter these days, but Ronnie on there and on all the big shows and just shows that we, we say the power of this sport, but certainly the power of the man. He's been here, there and everywhere in recent weeks, Phil. Yeah, that was uh, there was an interesting little morning when he was sort of going around on all sorts of uh, radio stations, wasn't it? Um, it was all, yeah, it was it was good. It was uh, it was interesting to. Um, I'd never listened to Desert Island Discs before that, um, so that was my debut on there. Um, he he picked a right load of rubbish songs, but um, but he was very interesting to listen to as always. Um, yeah, fascinating character, isn't he? Um, I've not read the book yet, but um, I will give it a go. Uh, He's, I mean, he's, he's been prolific with writing books, hasn't he? I mean, his, his career's still going. Um, but, you know, he's always very interesting to listen to. So, yeah, that was very helpful when uh, when there's not much snooker on. Um, Ronnie chatting away to a lot of different people uh, uh, filled a void there. I, I listened to him on Chris Evans on Virgin Radio. That was a good one in particular. Um, but, yeah, if they'll... All sorts of interviews will still be knocking about online on BBC and Virgin and TalkSport he was on. So, yeah, um, dig them out if you haven't heard them already. I want to know what's happened to the old diplomatic Phil Hayes. Did you leave him behind in Lisbon? We've had a load of old tat for the... Uh, and now rubbish songs. I like it, Phil. Let's keep these, let's keep these big views. Yeah, I, I, I didn't think they were great. I, they were, they were, some, of the, some were good. I, I thought it was a bit of a funny selection, really. It was a bit, yeah, it was a bit wishy-washy. But the words were great in between. But I can't tell you what, Phil. First ever Desert Island Disc, that is quite something. That is a that is a hell of an effort for you to miss out throughout throughout your lifetime. Yeah, I'm not, I don't listen to radio very often. I certainly don't listen to Radio 4, I don't think, ever. So, um, yeah, but no, it's good. Um, I've, a lot of people tell me to listen to the Bob Mortimer one, so maybe I'll give that a go. Um, but, yeah, no, I enjoyed it. Good man. Well, we should also say another one of Snooker's great stars, Mark Selby, has received his MBE at Windsor Castle. What great pictures from that, weren't they? And great, proud family shots. And I think all of us in Snooker are just so delighted for Mark. And uh, he said, of course, that Princess Anne uh, gave him the uh, MBE and said she watched some of the world final, Phil, bit of a Snooker fan. And, well, we know there's, uh, you know, always been a bit of a, enjoyment of the game in the royal family I, I said before didn't I when the queen died last year that she enjoyed watching snooker certainly in the glory years uh used to stay up and watch the late night highlights so that was lovely and just you know what 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 a life for Mark you know it's just incredible isn't it really I mean we know about that's one of the reasons we love the sport I think isn't it that, that these guys are just humble guys they're everyday guys you know if we saw Mark Selby at the pub tonight there'd be no airs and graces wouldn't it we'd have a drink with him we'd have a laugh He'd be one of the lads, and yet here he is at Windsor Castle. It's it's wonderful what this sport has given him, isn't it? Yeah, it's brilliant, and that that's what that was the best thing about it. Him sort of saying what it meant to him, and uh, you know, I, I'm not that big a fan of the whole honor system, really. But when you hear the people that you like, how much they've enjoyed it, then uh, then that's what matters, really. That's why it's so nice, and the pictures with his family were great. Yeah, um, I did notice that that line about Princess Anne watching some of it, and in the copy, I think it was PA copy, he was saying like she admitted. As if it was some like underhand thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, no, nice to have her involved though. That is absolutely the right word to use. What you, that's lovely. I admit to being. I oh, I do. I admit I did watch the final last night. That that is. A key, <laughs> I didn't clock that. That's a keeper. I like that. Well, we haven't had enough Rob Walker chat in this episode so far, Phil. You, you haven't had enough mentions for my liking. <laughs> Here's another one, and um, but we, we should be serious because of course he he's cycling and running from John O'Groats to Land's End isn't he? And you wrote a very nice piece about that, which was in Metro newspaper as well as online. In memory of three friends he's lost in recent times, and indeed, you know, they're, they're all tragic, actually, but particularly tragically, a young school friend of his son. So it, it's a very sad cause. Rob, in classic Rob fashion, you know, one of the great one-off characters, is turning it into 
maybe not a good news story, but something with something positive. And he's doing this. He's in, inviting everyone to get involved as they can. And it's for excellent causes, the Brain Tumor Charity and the Jesse May Children's Hospice, which we know is a big snooker charity and has been for a number of years now. So it's starting today. I mean, it's going to be... It's going to bring it's going to bring a new meaning to the word saddle sore, Bill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's kicking off Monday. I'm John O'Groats. Um, yeah, an amazing thing. And yeah, I, I've spoke to Rob a lot about this, and there's a piece on Metro. Um, if you dig that out, um, yeah, it's it's a heartbreaking story, really. Yeah, three of his close friends all dying in, in very close proximity, and then yeah, tragically, his son's friend, who's only nine years old, unexpectedly dying as well. So. Um, it's, it, it's emotional stuff talking to him about it, but he's doing it. He's doing this amazing thing, and he's going so big, as if John DeGroote's Land's End wasn't big enough. Like he's trying to do loads of other things, you know, give out a lot of champagne on the way, meeting up with as many people on the way as possible. Um, and a thing in the piece that I wrote as well, he's trying to connect up with this couple, um, which he came across in in Glasgow, um, sort of nearly twenty years ago, and the chap Nick um, helped tried to help Rob save this woman who's drowning in a in the river. Um, and they had this just, well, I was going to say amazing. It's really, it was amazing, but not in a good way. Um, so, but he, he never heard of them ever since. So he's trying to uh, connect up with them. So, yeah, it's Nick and Minty. If those two names as a couple mean anything to anyone, then get in touch, get in touch with Rob, because he's trying to organise an unlikely, but what would be spectacular meetup in, in Glasgow when he goes through. So, yeah, um, support him whatever way you can. It's an amazing thing he's doing. Um, he's trying to raise 25 grand, so any donations, uh, very welcome. And if he gets there, Matchroom are doubling it. So that is some achievement if he can do that. So, yeah, best of luck to him. And, uh, you know, he's got some guys from WST like, helping him video and stuff all the way all along the way so keep an eye on the social media because uh there'll be lots of uh interesting footage i think and entertaining footage knowing rob <laughs> well he's already giving us some entertaining but i'm not do you see him he put a song on the old van last night yeah. was dancing away to it classic rob he, if anyone's ever got the very most out of this existence phil it's, <laughs> it's, it's rob walker isn't it my goodness me and uh but he's like it all the time isn't he that's what we got yeah. to say. This is not for the cameras, folks. He's like it when the cameras are switched off as well. He 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 is powered by Duracell. He really is. He's the only person I know that at the end of seventeen days, which and well longer for him because he'll do the qualifier, do the judgment day, and what have you as well. It that could be pogoing across the dance floor. I think you, that's the word for it. He, he, you know, he's just larger than life. Does not do him justice. We wish him well, of course, and I think. Last time I checked, he was about halfway towards that target already. So really getting some good money in. And if you can donate, you should do to a very good cause, you know, have something nice and positive come out of what, what has been, you know, really horrible time with those really sad and tragic losses. Phil, I think we're coming to the end, aren't we, of this first episode back. It's good to be back, isn't it? Um, maybe you turn to any other business. Feels like we addressed most of the matters in snooker. Yeah, I think we have really. Um, look at my notes down. Oh, Marco Fu got his two-year tour card, invitational tour card. Um, those always sort of create a bit of debate, but everyone likes Marco so much. I think it was sort of, sort of widely accepted, um, and that'll be good to see him. I mean, he's, uh, there's been sort of flashes of brilliance, most notably in Hong Kong when he got to the final, made a one four seven along the way. So he can obviously still do it. Um, it'll be great to see him if he can rediscover his uh, old form more consistently because he had a he has had a tricky time with it eye problems and COVID and all sorts. So, yeah, best of luck to him. Um, and the only thing I've got written down was from, we were talking about Ronnie, we didn't mention his appearance on Stephen Hendry's YouTube, which was uh, predictably very, very good. They're always good. I enjoy those interviews Stephen does around the table with a player. And uh, Ronnie was great on that. So I'm sure you've seen that already, anyone listening to this, but if you haven't, then uh, dig it out. Indeed. And there's, of course, those the books, plural, you you will have heard, if you've been listening just for some time, that we did have Luke Williams, who Phil mentioned earlier, Luke G. Williams, who's written an excellent book about Patsy Julian. He had his event in the last couple of days, actually, in a in a snooker club in London, which Patsy used to play in. Uh, I would love to have made it myself, and I was planning to, but it was the same day as the cup final. 
And I still wanted to do both. They moved the cup file to 3 p.m. That put me out. But I've seen the pictures. It looks brilliant. We really wish Luke well with that book. We also had John Skillbeck on last year, didn't we, when he was talking about his book on Alex Higgins winning the world title in 1982. And he's spoken to me for that book, I should say. And a lot of them, you know, really, really tremendous uh, people involved in snooker, some real niche people as well. So that's also available. Goody Two Shoes, I think it's called, isn't it? And that's available certainly very soon. And we've got Brendan Cooper on here soon to talk about Deep Pockets, snooker and the meaning of life. Before that, Jeremy Wilson, to address your views, maybe a, a Q School related guest next time, we hope. And we'll know by, by next time, Phil, that the, the four more players that have made it on uh, to win two-year tour cars and the Maybe we'll finish on that note and say most of them don't come out waving their arms in the air and say that's the best thing that's ever happened. They just come out with the most enormous sense of relief, don't they? Especially ones that get back on. They're like, God, we've done it. And, uh, you know, as Andrew Padgett and others have voiced, I don't want to come here again. It's hell. <laughs> yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Best of luck to everyone still going in there. And, uh, yeah, we were going to wait and see who comes through and see who we can get hold of. It's, it's a bit of a quick turnaround, but I think we'll probably get someone, won't we? Uh, who's been through Q school. So that look forward to that. And also I thought while we're shouting out books and you mentioned Jeremy Wilson, I'm actually reading his book, Beryl at the minute, which is about Beryl Burton, cyclist. Um, so a bit of an aside from snooker, but it won the Sunday Times sports book of the year. So um, you don't need just my recommendation. It is very good. So uh, give, give that a read as well. If you're actually, I was going to say if you're into cycling, but I'm not into cycling at all and I'm really enjoying it. So just give it a read, whether you're into it or not. One of those very talented guys, Jeremy, that whenever he writes sort of something, you know, a tome like that, it, it, you know, it's, it's bound to be you know, excellent, excellent value. We should go then. Great to see you. See you next time. And, well, we're back for a long run. The summer season, we're, gra we're rather grandly calling it. Hopefully get one or two big, big name players, won't we, later in the summer. So lots to look forward to. And uh, keep enjoying the sunshine. It's finally come out in Britain, Phil. Yeah, it's superb. Yeah. And it is nice to be back. Um, do miss it. it. Do need a break, but do also miss it in a weird sort of way. So, uh, yeah, nice to be back. Plenty more to look forward to. So, yeah, good to see you. And thanks for everyone for listening. Keep your thoughts coming. Talking Snooker at Yahoo.com or tweet us at Talking Snooker or indeed to myself and Phil. Uh, thank you for your company. Thank you for the kind words you said since we've been away. And we look forward to loads of special episodes to come here on Talking Snooker. For now, from Phil and myself, cheerio. Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.